Last week I gave you, or I talked about three hurdles to receiving the gift of faith. The first was suspicion of institutions. Second was generally living a comfortable life. And the third was primarily approaching life from a material point of view. And each one of these hurdles to receiving the gift of faith don't begin or originate in us. It's just the circumstances that we live in. But there is one hurdle to receiving the gift of faith that we are culpable of and originates within us. And that is our pride. It's the pride of refusing discipline. Refusing to receive discipline in our life of faith. As the author to the letter of the Hebrew says, the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and chastises every son that he accepts. That it is part and parcel of living the Christian life to be disciplined in a life of faith. Think of it this way. If a parent chooses not to discipline their child, or the child refuses the discipline that comes from their parents, what's the inevitable outcome? Well, they become more and more self-reliant, self-referential, selfish, and ultimately a narcissist. When discipline is not given to a child as they grow up. So if we refuse discipline in our life of faith, is it possible to have a narcissistic faith? If in pride we refuse discipline, can our faith become narcissistic? Yes, is the short answer. One way is that we only come to the faith, we only come to the church when we need something for ourselves, when we want something. So maybe it's those who only come to the church when there's a funeral. And so they don't know what to do when somebody dies, the church offers something, they come and have the funeral at the church. Or maybe it's only coming to Mass at Christmas and Easter because that's the way that I know to celebrate these great feasts, but in between, I'll go about my ways. Maybe faith becomes narcissistic because we use faith as the means for our own self-improvement. That I see in the Christian life and the Christian faith a means of growing in virtue and living the life that I want to live, but that's it. And I only take from it what helps support my self-improvement, but everything that's outside of what I see as my own self-improvement, I just ignore it, leave it aside. Or one that I hear relatively often, well, I don't really agree with that teaching in the church. So don't follow it. But why? Well, I just don't agree with that teaching of the church. I don't think the church has it right. Oh, so the church who's been discerning the will of God for centuries across cultures and across more circumstances of human existence than any individual person can experience has nothing to say to your understanding of that thing. That's a pride. To think that I can come to a better understanding of a particular way of living life than the church. I'm not talking about struggling with the teaching of the church or st struggling to perfect something. 
That's for all of us in our life. We will struggle towards that perfection. I'm talking about the pride that outright rejects the guidance, the discipline, the teaching of the church as having something to offer as discipline to my life. It is possible if we refuse discipline for our faith to become narcissistic, meaning self-referential, self-dependent. So what happens if we don't accept discipline from God, from the church, who is God's instrument in the world in our Christian life? Well, if we don't accept discipline, then the word that goes along with it, we don't become a disciple, right? The two words have the same origin. A disciple is one who listens so as to be taught, who listens so as to be guided. And we know that to be a Christian is to strive to be a disciple of Christ. And so if we refuse discipline in the Christian life, in many ways it's a rejection of discipleship, of discipleship of Jesus, which is at the very heart of being Christian. And then it becomes like we hear in the gospel. Those who knock at the master's door and say, let us in, and the master says, I don't know you. But we were with you. Yeah, but did you listen? Did you strive to learn what I had to teach? Or were you just there? Did you want to be a disciple or not? And then some might make the argument, well, well God is unconditional love, isn't he? So why would Jesus say only a few will be saved? If God loves all those that he created, why would Jesus say that only a few are saved? Well, those that are saved, those who are offered heaven, is actually not dependent on God's unconditional love. Yes, God loves us unconditionally, but do we receive it? Again, going back to the image of parent and child, there are situations where a parent loves their child unconditionally However, they're not welcome in their home because of choices that they've made to reject the discipline and love of their parents. And until they choose to receive the correction in their way of life about how they go about things, they cannot come home. It says nothing of the love of their parents. Their parents love them and support them and are trying to help bring them into a better way of life. But if the child rejects the discipline, what can the parent do? If God loves us unconditionally, but we reject his discipline as to what we need to be corrected in our minds and in our hearts to be made ready for heaven, what can God do? Can he force us to listen? Can a parent force their child to do what they want them to do? We allow ourselves to be disciplined for the sake of being disciples, for the sake of allowing that love of God to take hold of our mind, soul, and strength. That's why we permit it. So many of you, some of you might know, but in the church we have five precepts of the church, we call them. Precepts are, it basically means five basic rules to guide our life. 
And so as Catholics, there are five basic rules as to guide the way that we go about our Catholic life. The first, Mass every Sunday and other days of holy, holy obligation. So in Canada, every Sunday and Christmas and New Year's. That's what the church teaches us is necessary in the way that we go about our worship of God. Second, confession at least once a year. More often if needed, but minimum once a year to the sacrament of confession. Third, to give financially for the work of the church and the needs of the church, to tithe in a real way, to give a good percentage of what you have for the good of the work of the church. The fourth one generally isn't a problem today, but it's the fourth is to receive Holy Communion minimum once a year, preferably during the season of Easter. But most people come to communion much more regularly these days. And the fifth is to fast on Fridays. That didn't go away. A lot of people think that that disappeared. What was permitted was instead of fasting on Fridays, abstaining from meat on Fridays, you can replace abstaining from meat with an extra act of charity or an extra act of devotion. But there's still the directive that we do some form of penance every Friday. Just like every Sunday is a little Easter Sunday, every Friday is a little Good Friday. And so we intentionally take up an act of penance every Friday. The long-standing one is abstaining from meat on Fridays. It's still not optional on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. You can't change it on those two days, but every other day, if it's not possible for whatever reason to abstain from meat, you can replace it with an extra act of devotion, an extra rosary, or an act of charity. These are the five disciplines, precepts, in our life as Catholics, the minimum guides and disciplines as the way that we go about our Christian life. We need discipline. We need to be humble enough to receive that because not one of us knows the way to God. We don't. We need to be opened to receiving that grace so that we can be made perfect. But if we determine for ourselves what our faith should look like, how can God offer us what he has to offer? Because faith isn't first about what I want, it's about what I need. So I'm gonna go back to that quote that I gave you two weeks ago when we first started talking about faith from Pope Benedict, when he defined faith. He says, to believe as a Christian means in fact entrusting oneself to the meaning that upholds me and the world, taking it as the firm ground on which I stand fearlessly. And today, focusing primarily to believe means entrusting myself. To fully entrust ourselves means to be open to that discipline, the discipline that guides and corrects, not punishment. That's not what discipline means. Discipline doesn't mean to be punished for doing wrong things. Discipline means giving the guide and the boundaries so that we're always pointed in the right direction. That we're always open to listening for guidance. So every one of us can spend some time. And which part of my life 
Which part of my Christian life am I resistant to that discipline? Whether that comes from myself, from a fellow Christian, from the teachings of the church, or even from God himself. That discipline that is there intended to make me a disciple, to guide me to God, but in my pride I resist it. Ask for the grace to be humble. Or ask, the, ask for the grace for understanding of why this discipline is needed in my life, if it's hard to understand. Because, as the author to the Hebrews tells us today, the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves. But it's hard at the time. It's hard to be disciplined. It's humbling to be disciplined. But as he tells us, those who are willing, good fruit comes from it.